Thank you for joining us to hear today's message. At Faith Assembly, our passion and purpose is loving people to life in Christ. To find out more information, visit our website, faithnewcumberland.com.
clear the stage of my heart I give up my leading part Found that all I want to do Is give all the glory to you Now I found my part It's a brand new start So Lord, take center stage of my heart stand and just lift your hands for a moment. Jesus, we need you today. Lord, that's our prayer, that you would take center stage our hearts of this church, Lord Jesus. Lord, that these renovations, on the outside, they look physical, but Lord, you're doing a spiritual renovation. Begin it in us, Lord. Begin it in our hearts, Lord Jesus. We, we make that commitment today, that you take center stage of our hearts of our families, of our lives, Lord, the, our, our, our minds, activity, the opinions we have, Lord Jesus, that you would have your way. You'd be Lord of every situation of our lives, not just Lord of our church lives, a Lord of the religious aspects. Of Lord, you'd be Lord and Savior of every part of our life, Jesus. That stage of our heart, Lord, that we give you the, the prime place. We give you that spotlight place, Lord. We pray that you would lead us, you would guide us by your Holy Spirit today. Everything that is said and done would be honoring and glorifying to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Give someone a, a hug or a handshake, and you can be seated this morning. That's, that's uh, been on my heart and in my spirit, so I, I'm challenging myself and all of us as a church as, as we began to tackle some of this and we do the renovations the Lord just kept like tapping, like tapping me on the shoulder. And says, "You know, this is more than just a physical renovation." And I was like, "Well, God, no, we, we, you know, we got all our X's and ducks in the row, and we're make sure we got the budget and this." And and He's like, "You know, this is there's more more than this than just a physical transformation and a renovation." And He's like, "I'm doing a spiritual renovation in your heart." And so that's that. I mean, I think if we just get, you know, if it's just a physical thing, then it's we've kind of missed missed the point. You know, and sometimes we can get hung up on the physical aspect. So just for a few moments, I want to go through a few things. I feel like the Lord has been speaking to me about this project, and then we'll, we'll get into uh, his word if, there's, if that's what he wants us to do. So first thing is physical. There, there are some physical realities of what he's doing. And God's replacing the old and the worn out with the new and the fresh. Hallelujah. And sometimes in our lives, there's just old and worn out things, and God wants to do a, a new thing. So you'll see there's old carpet that will be replaced. There's old seating that's being replaced. Um, you know, people are actually buying these pews. Can you believe that? I mean, like, there's parts of them are falling apart in pieces, but people, you know, so there's old becoming new. There's old equipment and old hardware that's being replaced old lighting that's being replaced. So there are some physical changes taking place, physical realities of this project. But if that's all it is, then that's just kind of, that's we kind of missed the point if it's just a physical transformation. The second thing is that it's a, there are spiritual implications. And what I believe is a new season of new and fresh encounters with God is beginning here. Let me say that again. A new season of, 
of new and fresh encounters with God is beginning. And I think it's about perspective. You know, for many of us, our seat has changed. You know, for many of us, we had the same seat maybe for years or decades or, you know, generations. That was my pew. That was my row. I counted one, two, three, four, and that was my seat. You know, you wore it in, your, your tush made the, the imprints there, and uh, that was how your perspective of encountering God was row four, seat number three, you know, behind the hymnal with a little mark on it, and that was your experience. That was my experience of we encounter God that way. And all of a sudden, with a flick of a switch, God says, can you encounter me in a, in a new perspective, in a new seed, in a new, in a new way? And so I believe God's opening up a new season for us of fresh encounters with him. He's clearing the stage of our hearts to do a new and a fresh work in our lives. And as we began to do some of this kind of demo work, you know, and just stripping away it was just like, it was just God kept echoing in my heart and my spirit that God's doing the same thing and he wants to do the same thing in our lives. So many times the, the, the rubble gets built up and the things that, you know, shouldn't be there get put there. And man, we had wires that were in places that we weren't even using anymore. Mics that, you know, didn't work and things that didn't work. And Nate, and Nate was going through things. What is this for? I was like, I don't know. And he's like, well, it's not anything. So we took it. There's things in the ceiling we didn't need anymore. So how often does it happen in our homes? How often does it happen in our minds, in our lives, where we think things and we doubt things and we, we just get skeptical and, God, are you truly going to do this? And, and we begin to put these things in our lives. So God's going to do a new, he's doing a new thing in our encounters with his, him. He's breaking down barriers. He's breaking down bare, and it might be uncomfortable, you know? We're human. We like our, we don't like change as humans, you know? Change kind of happens upon us. So there is a part of our resistance, like, I can't, it's kind of new, it's different, but, you know, I kind of like the way it was, and we all have that, you know? Our kids even had that tension, like, you know, and had conversations with them. So it doesn't matter. It's not an age thing. You know, you can be young, you can be old, you can be middle-aged and still have a little bit of a resistance to change and to some new things. But those routines that we had established and some of those ruts that we had put in, God all of a sudden is just beginning to wipe away some of those and saying, will you begin to make some new routines with me? Would you begin to have some fresh encounters with me? Because I think when Jesus in the Gospels, when he was dealing with some of the religious leaders, they had their minds already made up. This is how I experience God. This is how it's going to be done. And so much that they, they just shut Jesus out, right? We, ha- we got it all. We got it. This is how it has got to be. These songs got to be sitting here. We got to be having these things and this system and this routine. And, and Jesus, you don't fit into our nice little religious church box. And so Jesus, we're going to kick you out. And sometimes if we're not careful, we can do the same things. Well, I, got, I met God in here, and I got saved at this point, and, and God did it at this camp and this, and this experience, and we begin to form those little boxes, and it can only happen this way at this time. And because sometimes it's kind of we have that control of that, and God sometimes just shatters the box and says, all right, will you meet with me? Will you encounter me in a new and a fresh Way God's providing new ways and opportunities, and this is one of the most exciting: is new ways to proclaim the gospel and administer to those in our community. 
You know, with technology, the way it has gone, we can, we can stream things, we can record things, we can put things on the internet that reaches far beyond. Well, there's maybe 30 of us in here today. Well, with technology, we can put that message out and we can impact hundreds of people there, you know? And that wasn't always the case. You could have an audio cassette and pass it on to a friend. Hey, I have a recording of the service. But now in real time, people can be able to see the service and hear the message and hear the songs and people that struggle with, you know, maybe going into a new space with new people, they can kind of hear that. So those are some... uh, just incredible ways that offer opportunity. Eventually, when we have room, we will have more flexible ways that we can use this space. I know today this is the smallest we'll be because we're trapped in here with the, the pews still being in here. But eventually, we can put some tables in here. We can set up the chairs differently. We can break into groups and, and have discussions and have prayer together. And, and so providing new ways of relationship. You know, because with the, with the way our old seating was, we were locked in. It was like, you know, turn to your neighbor we could do, but we couldn't really say, hey, let's get in a group. And we tried that. It was just really hard in the locked in the rows that way. So we'll have some different ways that we can do that. And that leads to the social implications. God's making it possible for ministry to take place more relationally as we serve and minister to one another. So we're excited about what God wants to do in all those areas. So be praying be as this project going if you want to help volunteer if you want to give financially but most importantly begin to pray and god what are you doing in my heart god what what is the renovation what's the transformation you want to do in my life and in my spirit amen amen, amen. first first kings chapter 18 sorry first kings chapter 18 It's a story about a showdown, and this is, man, this is one of those stories you you hear as a kid, and it's one of those stories you just don't forget, all right? And I can remember Sunday school lessons and VBS lessons about the story, and and it's just one of those stories that, you know, once you hear it, it's like, wow, that, that just sticks in your heart. It sticks in your spirit, and it's, it's the showdown between the prophet of God and the false prophets of Israel. And uh, the, the, what happened was the nation of Israel was following God, but then they had the influence of the outside nations, and they began to say, you know what? We can serve God, but, you know, we can also serve these other gods. And so Baal became this huge aspect of the worship of the Israelites. And so they would kind of, you know, go through the motions with Yahweh and serve him and maybe do some sacrifices, but man, their their priority was Baal and they would worship Baal and they had these prophets of Baal and and there was a queen, her name was Jezebel, you know, and you hear that name, it just makes you a little cringe a little bit. And Jezebel, she was not a she was not a good person. And uh, um, she she was a very wicked person and she brought this influence of this pagan culture and pagan idolatry in here and God raises up this one prophet his name was Elijah right and Elijah is a man of God and he's called by God to go into have a showdown with the people of God and say and to wake them up hey are you going to serve God or are you going to serve Baal you need to make a decision because you know what we can't serve both God and the world 
you know, that there is, there's kind of that cultural temptation to say, you know, you can be a good Christian person, you can go to church, but, you know, you can still live the life the way you want to, and you can sleep around, and you can just sleep with your neighbor, and you can do this, you can steal, you can lie, but as long as you still love Jesus, no, you can't do both. You need to love Jesus, or you need to or you need to live in the world. You can't live. You can't live with two feet in each in each world. And so Elijah had this showdown. He's telling the people, "You can't do both. You have to serve God with all of your heart, or you need to just choose. Yeah, we're going to serve Baal. We're going to serve the false false god of our culture." And so the story is Elijah being raised up to to have an encounter with the people. And so. Uh, lack of time we, we won't read the whole story i do encourage you to read the story um uh let, let, no let me read it how about that today maybe you don't have your bible today maybe you haven't heard the story so uh first kings chapter 18 starting with verse 16 it says so obadiah went to meet ahab and told him and ahab went to meet elijah when he saw elijah he said to him is that you, you troubler of Israel? I love that title. You know, he's a prophet of God who loves God. He's, he's obedient to him. He's following him. But to the people of Israel, he's a troublemaker. Man, you're just, you're just trying to get us into trouble. He, what, what, what do you want to do, you troubler of Israel? He says, I've not made trouble for Israel, but you and your fam father's family have. You have abandoned the Lord's commands and have followed the bell, the bells. Now summon the people from all over Israel to meet me on Mount Carmel, and bring the four hundred and fifty prophets of Baal and the four hundred prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. So Ahab sent word throughout all Israel and assembled the prophets on Mount Carmel. Elijah went before the people and said, "And here's the question for us today: How long will you waver?" between two opinions. If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. But the people said nothing. Then Elijah said to them, I am the only one of the Lord's prophets left. But Baal has 450 prophets. Get two bulls for us. Let them choose one for themselves and let them cut it into pieces and put it on the wood, but not set fire to it. I will prepare the other bowl and put it on the wood, but not set fire to it. Then you call on the name of the Lord your God, and I will call on the name of the Lord, the God who answers by fire. He is God. Then all the people said, what you say is good. Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, choose one of the bowls and prepare it first, since there are so many of you. Call on the name of your God, but do not light the fire. So they took the bowl, given them, and prepared it. Then they called on the name of Baal from morning till noon. Oh, Baal, answer us, they shouted. But there was no response. No one answered. And they danced around the altar they had made. At noon, Elijah began to taunt them. Shout louder, he said. Surely he is a God. Perhaps he is deep in thought or busy or traveling. Maybe he is sleeping and must be awakened. So they shouted louder and slashed themselves with swords and spears as was their custom until their blood flowed. Midday passed and they continued their frantic prophesying until the time for the evening sacrifice. But there was no response. No one answered. No one paid attention 
Let me just pause there. Sometimes we go through our routines. We go through our ways of doing things, and sometimes we, we get frustrated because there's no response. Well, why, isn't thing, why aren't things happening for me? Why isn't my life working out? And, and sometimes we're, we're chasing the wrong solutions. We're chasing the wrong things, thinking it's going to provide a different response. So they're, they're trying to get Baal, this false god, to respond to them. And of course, obviously, there's no response. It says in verse 30, Then Elijah said to all the people, Come here to me. They came to him, and he repaired the altar of the Lord, which was in ruins. Elijah took 12 stones, one for each of the tribes descended from Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord had come, saying, Your name shall be Israel. With the stones he built an altar, in the name of the Lord, and he dug a trench around it large enough to hold two seas of seed. He arranged the wood, cut the bowl into pieces, and laid it on the wood. Then he said to them, Give me the gasoline. No. He says, Give me the kerosene. No. He says, Fill four large jars with water. Right? Not gas, not kerosene, not something that's going to light up quickly, something that's going to be the opposite douse it with water. Have you ever built a fire before? Royal range code number one, don't put water on your fire, right? Unless you're putting it out and then dig and then sprinkle with dirt and all that. But water is not a part of making a fire. Water is to put out a fire. But he says, you know what? Put the water on, pour it on four big, large containers. Do it again, he says, and they did it again. Do it a third time, he ordered, and they did it a third time. It says the water ran down around the altar and even filled the trench. At the time of sacrifice, the prophet Elijah stepped forward and prayed, O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known today that you are God in Israel, and that I am your servant and have done all these things at your command. Answer me, O Lord, answer me, so these people will know that you, O Lord, are God, and that you are turning their hearts back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and burned up the sacrifice. The wood the stones, the soil, and also licked up the water in the trench. It's like a big giant straw, right? When all the people saw this, they fell prostrate and cried, The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. Would you buy your hearts in your, with me this morning? Jesus, we thank you today. Thank you for your word. It's truth. It's life. Help us today to not just hear your word, not just read your word, but to understand it and to, most importantly, to obey it and to follow it, Lord Jesus. Help us to walk out what you're speaking to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Today, clear the stage of my heart. Elijah had a showdown, and some things had to get cleared up in the hearts of the people of Israel. And so a few points, if you're, if you're taking notes, the first thing is we need to make a 100% commitment to Jesus and to him alone. As we move forward as a church, as you move forward as a follower of Jesus, as a disciple of Jesus, you need to make a decision. You need to make a commitment. I need to make a commitment. Am I going to follow Jesus with all of my heart? Or am I going to do, try to do what the Israelites did? Well, we'll, we'll serve God, but we'll, we're going to serve Baal too. We're going to offer sacrifices, and and uh, we're going to we're going to have our feet in both worlds. And it says Elijah went before them. He says, "How long will you waver between two 
opinions. If God, if the Lord is God, then serve him. But if Baal is God, follow him. And it says the people said nothing. They said nothing because there was conviction, right? They're like, ouch, <laughs> that, that one hurt. That one hurt, Elijah. Tell us something good. There's no room in our lives or in our hearts for idols or for compromise. We either need to serve Jesus with all of our hearts or we need to say, you know what? Maybe Jesus isn't for us. You know what? He says you need to be hot or you know cold. You can't be lukewarm. You can't be stuck in the middle like, well, maybe Jesus, maybe this. It's either all of Jesus or none of Jesus. And he would rather you make a decision, I'm going to serve you, Jesus, or, you know, I'm going to reject you. And so we, my prayer is that we would all serve him and choose him with all of our hearts. But we can't, we can't have a little bit of Jesus and a lot of bit of the world. We need to serve him and be committed to him 100%. The second thing we see from the scripture is, is this idea of repair your broken intimacy with Jesus. It says that when it was Elijah's turn to do the sacrifice, you know, they had used probably one of the, the Baal's altars that was already there. And what did Elijah use? He says, you know what? The, the altar of the Lord is broken, you know, and I, I need to repair this first. And, he, and it's kind of this visual illustration to the people that, you know, those foundations and those spiritual commitments that they had made generations prior had been broken down and had been had been ruined. And and Elijah begins to rebuild those things. He, re he begins to put the stones that remind them of what Jesus had done to help them cross the Jordan River. He begins to put those stones of remembrance that reminds them that they walked through the Red Sea on, on dry ground. And he begins to tell, remind them of the plagues that came across all the Egyptians, but the, the, the people of Israel were spared. And the first sons that were lost of the Egyptians, but not that they was passed over the people of God. For us, what are those? What are those stones of remembrance? What are those things that, that that bring intimacy in our hearts and our lives? Maybe it's it's reading God's word. Maybe we've we've drawn from we've drawn away from hearing God's word or reading His word or spending time with Him or spending time in His presence. Maybe it's spending time in worship and in, in your own heart in your own life. What are those, those altars, experiences in your life that God wants to begin to repair to bring closer intimacy with you? God wants to have a relationship with us, not just a religious commitment from us. You know, hey, I got a church, and uh, yeah, I do this, and yeah, I have all this checklist, but he wants a relationship with you. Do you know God? Do you know Jesus? Is he, is he that priority in your heart? And in your life, is he making a difference and an impact in your life, in your family, in your job, in your situation, how you talk, how the decisions you make? The third thing, be filled to overflowing with the Holy Spirit and watch the fire of God fall. It's part of the story that if we just read it and we think of the physical, like, oh, you know, he's, wants, he's building this altar. And he says, you know what, the answer to, to the question of who the real God is, is fire, right? That's the, that's the answer. They're saying, you know what, whatever God responds with fire is the true God. 
And so they build the altar and they have the sacrifice and they call and they scream and they cut and nothing happens. And Elijah rebuilds the altar. And instead of putting on, you know, all this gasoline or different things, he says, you know, let's, let's douse this thing with water. Well, you know, in the Bible, what is the, the symbol of water? Water is a symbol of something very important in the Bible. And one of the, one of the aspects and one of those main symbols that water is in, of in the Bible is the Holy Spirit. And it's, he's speaking to us about we need to fill our hearts and our lives. We need to say, Paul says, you need to be filled. And, and this idea of being filled and continually filled with the, the Holy Spirit in our lives. It's not just about praying a prayer one time in your life and going to live the way you want to live. It's about, he's, Jesus says, that you will take up your cross and you will daily follow me. You will daily choose to take up that cross and you will follow me. How do we do that? We need the empowerment. We need the presence of his Holy Spirit to be filling us to overflowing. If you picture that, if you picture that altar covered with water, it says the water was just dripping. It was just filling the trenches. And imagine being a bystander like has he just gone on the loon? You know, is he crazy now? He's, he's calling for fire and the thing's soaked with water, right? But God knew what he was doing. It's, it's a part of that miraculous, you know, maybe, oh, they, maybe they could have rationalized it if, if there wasn't water involved. Well, maybe it was just a hot enough day. Maybe it just, he had just the right temperature and maybe, did you see that spark? Maybe I think, I think Elijah had a little flint and steel there and maybe God knew that they could rationalize what was taking place and, but they couldn't rationalize a, a soaked, a soaked offering being consumed by the fire. Jesus wants to fill us, our hearts and our lives with his Holy Spirit to the, to the point where it's overflowing. And it says in the, in the scriptures that the fruit of the Spirit is. You know what? We don't just have enough of the Holy Spirit to get by. We have enough of the Holy Spirit that he begins to produce fruit in our lives. You know, if you're planting something, we've been, it's springtime. This is a time to plant and, and, and fertilize and prune. You know, you, you get a lot of spiritual reminders when you're gardening. You know, anyone that like to do landscaping or gardening? You know, pruning, that's a very biblical concept. God says you need to prune things that aren't fruitful in your life. You know, this idea that God is, is beginning to plant something in us and he's beginning to, to water something through us and he's beginning to overflow through us. He wants to produce his fruit in us. Paul says it's love, it's joy, it's peace. Maybe if you struggle with peace, you're like, I don't have peace. Maybe God's spirit, he wants to do a work in you that you're producing peace in your life and self-control and someone say you know i just don't have any self-control i can't i can't choose what i want to do i'll you know in god's spirit he wants to produce self-control in us and as we allow god to do that work in us he begins to produce that fruit and he just man watch out what god wants to do through a life that's committed and devoted to him there's a famous quote i'm not sure if I'll, i'll quote it quite correctly but jonathan wesley said um See, it just slipped my my brain. It just came into my mind. It's something about um, give me a few men set on fire, and people will come to watch it. Basically, come to watch what God's doing. You know, come to watch them burn. Uh, not in a bad way, but there's a I don't know 
See, I go off script and that's terrible. But it's something about God's doing something in our hearts, in our lives, and there's a commitment, and God's going to do a great work in and through through your life there. So I'll try, try to remember that to put that on for next week. The last thing is this. Jesus' supernatural and his transformational work in your life will be a witness to others of his reality. Jesus' supernatural, his transformational and your work in your life will be a witness to others of his reality. It says this in the scripture. It says in 1 Kings 18, verses 38 to 39, it says, Then the fire of the Lord fell and burned up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, the soil, and also licked up the water in the trench. It speaks of transformation. You know, what was there was changed dramatically. People could see that there was a difference, that the stones, that the soil, it was all consumed by the fire. There was a transformational work. There was a supernatural work that took place. And it says when the people saw that, when the people saw what was taking place, they, they fell down prostrate and they cried out, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. I challenge you with this. There's no evidence more compelling to others than a changed life. If you want to tell people oh, about Jesus and invite them to church, and but man, if your life isn't lining up, if your life's not any different, they're like, well, what's different about you? And you know, but if if God's done something in you and you begin to change and God begins to transform your heart, and man, people can't argue with that. Wow, that's that is powerful. That is amazing what God has done in your heart and in your life. If God can do that in you, God can do that in me. He can do that for you and for me. God wants to do a new work in each of our hearts and each of our lives today. Would you bow your, your heads and your hearts with me this morning? Jesus, we just invite you today at this moment to speak into our hearts and lives. What are those areas that we need to clear the stage of our life? God, speak to us. Maybe it's our attitude. Maybe it's our actions. Maybe it's our commitment. Jesus, I just pray today that we would make a 100% surrender commitment to you, Jesus. We don't want to just go through religious motions. We don't want to just come to church. We don't want to just do the checklist of a, a good person. We want to commit. We want to surrender our hearts to you, Jesus. Jesus, we we put down that microphone symbolically of our hearts. We put down that, that, that main position on, our, on the stage of our heart and we say, Jesus, would you take leadership? Jesus, would you, would you lead me? Would you guide me today? Jesus, would you do a powerful work in our hearts, in our lives today? Just trust the Holy Spirit's doing his work today in hearts, in lives, commitments, surrenders today.
Maybe someone today says, you know what, I need the, the, to be filled with his Holy Spirit. I need to be empowered by his Holy Spirit. I need, I need God's Spirit to be producing his fruit in my heart and in my life. So Jesus, we just pray, Lord, that people sense the presence and the fullness and the empowering work of your Holy Spirit, Jesus. You said that you would go, but you would send your comforter. You would send the Holy Spirit to, to minister through us and to minister to us and to be our advocate. So Jesus, we pray that, Lord, that comforter would come and would fill our hearts and would fill our lives to overflowing, Lord Jesus, that we would produce the, the, the fruits that are evident that God's working in us, Lord, that there's love, there's joy and peace, Lord Jesus. You're transforming our hearts, Lord God. You're taking of a heart of stone and you're making it into a heart of flesh, Lord Jesus. So I pray today, Lord, that you begin to do that supernatural transformational work in our hearts, in our lives today. Maybe today someone's dealing with some baggage, some issues, and they, and they struggle relating to God. They struggle relating with, with the things of God because of things in their past. And so, Lord Jesus, I pray today you begin to break those chains. Help them to see you for who you truly are. Jesus, I pray that you reveal yourself to them in a powerful way, that they would know, Lord, that you are God. You are the one true God. There is no God but you. And that, that decision, that revelation would impact hearts, lives, decision. Lord, I, I speak and pray, Lord, those areas of compromise, those areas that we've allowed into our hearts, so we know it's not right. But we say, you know what, it's, everyone's got something. No one's perfect. We, we rationalize and we, we explain away and we, you know, we pretend eh, it's not that big a deal. It's, you know, at least it's not this or at least it's not that. At least I'm not that person. And we begin to rationalize. And, and God, I just pray those areas of compromise, Jesus, that you begin to bring that convicting presence of the Holy Spirit that presence of the Spirit that wants to begin to make changes in our hearts and our lives. So I pray right now, Lord Jesus, that each time we want to do that or we want to think that way or we want to go about being doing that behavior or that activity, that you would bring the conviction of your Holy Spirit. We would know beyond a shadow of a doubt that that is wrong, that that is not a way that a follower of Jesus acts and behaves and thinks and talks. And so, Lord Jesus, I pray that those areas of compromise will be broken in the name of Jesus. And Lord, those areas of struggle, Lord, that we would find freedom. We'd see those addictions broken, Lord Jesus. Those addictions, Lord, that would be broken in the name of Jesus. Those, those mindsets would be broken in the name of Jesus. I pray for those religious strongholds, those boxes that we talked about earlier. It's so easy that we can create our own boxes 
that we can even crowd you out of our hearts and lives. So Jesus, would you begin to break down those religious preconceived notions of how it has to be and how you only do it and how this begin to break those down, Jesus. Begin to bring transformation in our hearts, in our minds. Help us to be founded on your word. Be people of your word, your truth, your life. Jesus, take center stage of our hearts, of our lives, of our families, and of this church. In Jesus' name, amen. As we close, would you stand with me? These pews are going to a church in uh, Long Island that I would love just to just take a moment to pray for that church. It's a Spanish church in Long Island. Iglesia Cristiana Senda Antigua. So say that four times fast. And uh, they're coming, and I know they're going to be a blessing to them. And uh, uh, we've had a, a lot of ethnic churches come, really be interested in these. And I felt bad. There was this church in York. They loved the, I mean, they, was, they had already had chairs that matched this color, but their building was just a little too small. So I really felt like, oh. But uh, there's a church that is coming to pick these up. So would you just stretch your hands out? I know it sounds goofy, but we, I'm believing that souls, these, these chairs represent souls Amen. for his kingdom. Amen. These chairs represent transformed hearts and lives. And so, Jesus, we pray for this new church that's being planted in, in the streets of Long Island, Lord Jesus. As they come, we pray your, your protection and your safe travels. As they come, we pray that you'd help us to put these on the truck. I pray, Lord, a miracle that they will all fit. Because right now, I don't know how they're all going to fit in a U-Haul. But, Lord Jesus, you know we're going to strap them up, however. But we pray that they fit, Lord Jesus. We pray, Lord, most importantly, that there's fruit from these chairs, Lord Jesus. We thank you for the years that have produced fruit in this church. But, Lord, we pray that that fruit would continue, Lord Jesus, in Long Island in this church. We pray that souls would be saved. We pray for lives to be transformed. Families would be healed. Addictions would be broken. We pray, Holy Spirit, would you minister to people. People, as they sit in these pews, we pray in Jesus' name. And someone said, amen. amen. God bless you. Amen. Have a great day. See you next time.